Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. You've got Logan Jones here with Evan Knowles recording out of the Awesome Inc. studio in Lexington, Kentucky. And today we sat down with another Nashville guest, Haley Zapp, who is the managing director of the Jumpstart Foundry. Uh, so we've been making an effort to do some more interviews down in Nashville. They've got uh, a very, uh, very fast growing startup ecosystem down there. And as Haley calls it, uh, they're being dubbed the switchboard city. So people are able to come in and kind of get to all parts of the of the United States from Nashville, uh, not too far of a flight from whether you're going to the, the West Coast or down into Florida or somewhere on the on the East Coast. Uh, they're kind of taking that role and, and running with it. Uh, and we got to talk to Zap just about how she's gotten so involved in the Nashville ecosystem. She's been somebody that I actually connected with Zap, shoot, probably four or five years ago when I just graduated. I was trying to decide what my next move was. And she was very welcoming to me um, if I were to go down to Nashville. Uh, so we, we stayed in touch. Uh, she progressed her career um, working at the Nashville Entrepreneur Center, uh, who we've had on the podcast not too long ago. Uh, and she's now with Jumpstart Foundry, helping them raise a fund to invest in healthcare companies. Uh, so an awesome conversation, uh, very charismatic person. Zap is, uh, has helped us get very connected already uh, down in Nashville. So very happy to have her on. What do you think of the conversation, Evan? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people from, from Lexington and UK go down to Nashville, so it's good to get an insight into what's so exciting down there. And from her perspective, as much as she's plugged in, it was good to hear, you know, from, uh, again, from her perspective, what's going on there and what's getting people excited. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a fun town to go to, obviously, you know, people go down there for fun and for the SEC tournament, but, uh, people might also, might not also realize that there's a lot going down their uh, related technology and startups and big companies like Oracle and Amazon are moving in. So um, timely to talk about Nashville and get more involved um, as a podcast there in Nashville. So um, yeah, looking forward to y'all hearing this. And before we dive in, here's a word from our sponsors. Actually, before we hear from our sponsors, I do want to just make a quick call out of why we're doing interviews uh, in Nashville and in Cincinnati and in Indianapolis. I know we've talked about this a few times, but I do think it's important to reiterate it. Uh, we view our role as a media company, as a podcast in this region, as being able to go into some of these more developed ecosystems, hear from people that have been involved with them and have been helping build them and see if there's anything we can learn from what more developed ecosystems are doing so that we can bring those uh, into the other ecosystems, whether that's Lexington, Louisville, or whether some of our listeners up in Indianapolis uh, or, or Cincinnati uh, can have something to take away from it. So just wanted to reiterate that. Um, as you see us kind of expanding out and doing some of these interviews in different markets that uh, you might not have seen too many interviews from us before, uh, that's why. So we'll get a quick word from our sponsors, and we're excited for you guys to listen to this episode. Middle Tech is presented by KY Innovation, the Kentucky Cabinet for Economic Development's Entrepreneurship and Innovation Partner. KY Innovation exists to support and develop Kentucky's startup ecosystem, and we are proud to work alongside an organization whose mission aligns so closely with ours. If you're a founder building in Kentucky, you need to check out the resources that KY Innovation has to offer. You can find more information at kyinnovation.com. We are also supported by Endeavor Midwest. Operating in 40 countries around the world, Endeavor selects, supports, and invests in the world's top founders driving job creation, wealth creation, and inspiration. In 2021 alone, Endeavor entrepreneur-led companies provided more than 3.4 million high-quality jobs and generated over $42 billion in revenue globally. Endeavor's Midwest office supports companies like App Harvest, Rabbit Hole, El Toro, Interapt, and many more. You can learn more about Endeavor Midwest, Endeavor, 
and their venture fund Endeavor Catalyst at Endeavor.org. All right, everybody, let's get into it. We're here with Haley Zapp, who is down in Nashville. She is the managing director of the Jumpstart Foundry. Uh, But more than that, she's just a super involved member of the Nashville technology and startup ecosystem. Somebody I actually connected with gosh, four years ago when I was considering moving down to Nashville. So it's kind of, it's a full, it's a full circle interview here, isn't it, Zap? It is full circle. I'm excited to be here, uh, you know, finally getting interviewed by the two of you. Yeah. And it's funny, and and this is a big shout out to you. Before we even had you on the podcast, you were kind enough to share a bunch of the connections that you made down in Nashville to help us get some Nashville guests on here. So we actually ended up recording with somebody that you introduced us to before we even got you on the podcast. So I love thank you. that. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for being so gracious with helping us get connected in Nashville. And we're really excited to talk to you about how you got so connected in the, in the ecosystem. So let's start by just diving into uh, your background as it relates to the Nashville uh, startup ecosystem. So talk a little bit about uh, where you went to school and how you ended up uh, in Nashville working with startups and technology. Yeah, I'll give you all the quick rundown. So originally from Iowa, went to University of Michigan. Uh, if you were ambitious, they told you you, need, you needed to go to New York. So I went to Manhattan first. Uh, New York ate me up, spit me out. And in a few months, I was back in Iowa in my parents' basement. You know, failed hard, oh. failed fast. Uh, and then applied for jobs across the country uh, at startup incubators. So I specifically kind of figured out like, you know, these startup incubators would be really interesting. I'd studied them in college and uh, was finally kind of almost forced the Nashville Entrepreneur Center to hire me. I had never been to Nashville. I had, I didn't know a single person here. I moved in with my Craigslist roommate, Moonshine. Thank you, Moonshine. Great first roommate. And uh, started my career at the National Entrepreneur Center as a program coordinator, uh, really working with membership and events for just entrepreneurs in Nashville. So dig into that story of how you forced the Nashville Entrepreneur Center to hire you. That sounds like there's some sort of story in that, or at least maybe oh, give the God. listeners some advice on if you really want a position. How, how did you go about getting that position? Okay, so I applied. And they would interview me virtually. I'm in Iowa and they just kept not like hiring me nor meeting me in person. So I just decided to tell them, hey, I'm coming down for a wedding if you would like to meet me in person. There was obviously no wedding. Like I was only going to come if they said yes. Luckily they did. And so I just drove myself down to Nashville, stayed at a hostel off of Broadway and, uh, then I think at that point, they're like, dang, this girl is serious. Like, I guess we should hire her. So it was a little forced. They put me through the ringer. I also recorded a full video uh, part of my application, uh, too. So there's like a 10-minute video out there somewhere in the cloud of me pitching myself. But um, yeah, it was forced, truly. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's what you have to do sometimes to to get the position you want or to, you know, get that opportunity that you're after is got to go the extra mile. So I think there's a good lesson in that. Uh, But talk a little bit about the Nashville Entrepreneur Center itself. We've had uh, Jane on the podcast before, so our listeners might be familiar with it, but just recap uh, the kind of work that you guys were doing there. Yeah, the mission of the Nashville Entrepreneur Center is to be the front door uh, for entrepreneurship in Nashville, also to um, uh, make Nashville the best place to start and grow a business. So they run membership, they have a great uh, co-working space, they do events, they have programs, and specifically when I was there, I did a bunch of different roles, and 
I had a lot of things underneath me when I finished, but at the end I ran membership events, the advisor program, so all of the mentors and advisors, navigation where we navigate people to different resources in town, and then I ran Renew Nashville, um, the uh, COVID recovery program for small businesses, but it was a team. I had a whole team working together with me on all those different projects. It was so fun. What attracted you to startups? So what is it about the startup lifestyle mm. or um, ecosystem that, that really attracted you? Uh, number one, I love being around like crazy people. Like that just gives me energy. Uh, and not all founders quite have that crazy streak, but I would say maybe like 50% do. And then we just hit it off and just can like go after it for a long time. So that's number one. Number two, I enjoy building things. Like I feel like I can envision the future and then like create it myself. So I like being around that type of energy. And number three, I did not grow up with money, but uh, building wealth always interested me. And I feel as though starting companies and being an entrepreneur is like the only way to build like new money or like generational wealth. Yeah, that's for sure. And you know, you, you mentioned that there entrepreneurs are a little crazy sometimes and you're you're drawn to that. And it seems like you've done a fantastic job getting plugged into it doesn't seem like we know for a fact that you've got really plugged into the national startup ecosystem. Uh talk a little bit about for for people who have that knack for networking or want to develop, you know, that skill of networking. How did you go about building a network uh, as quickly as you did and as in-depth as you did? Yeah, well, I have to give a lot of credit to the Nashville Entrepreneur Center. So almost anyone who walked in those doors for like three years was pretty much forced to talk to me. Like I was the first line of defense to be like, who are you and what are you doing here? And I'll point you in the right direction. I ran a lot of info sessions. So I would like give 20 people a tour every single week. But um, after thereafter that, it was really through LinkedIn, like, and my best advice is like, never be afraid to reach out. Like people are more responsive and more willing to take a meeting than you'd ever think they would be. Um, even from like cold outreach, I, most of the people I try and get in touch with, like say yes, as long as you have like a good ask of why you really want to talk to them. Yeah. That, that was one of the things that I love talking <clears throat> with young people about is how willing people are to meet <clears throat> with younger people mm -hmm. at the beginning of their career, especially if they're just trying to get plugged in and um, meet cool people. You know, if you reach out to somebody and just be honest and say, hey, I really respect what you do. I'm trying to do something similar or I want to learn from you. Uh, they're more than likely going to be willing to pass on their knowledge to you. If it's not a coffee, then it's a 30 minute Zoom. And yeah, like you said, you'd be really surprised how many people will say yes just to a quick quick meeting because they want to help the next you know generation of people learn something or one of their peers. Um, and mm -hmm. the startup community is also, I think, unique in this where everybody knows that you have to pull each other along because it's a struggle for everybody. Um, and so it's kind of that um, camaraderie through struggle that I think people are willing to connect with people because they know, you know, as an entrepreneur, you don't really know what you're doing. You know, I think you'd be lying if you said, I know what I'm doing. So I think everybody is cognizant of that and willing to help other people um, along the journey. I think that's a, a great point. I love yeah, talking about You also that. have to take the meetings too when people ask, which I say yes to too many, but I, I try to say yes to most of them. Yeah. You've got to filter. That's, 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 that's right. At some point you're on the opposite side um, and you have people asking you for meetings. And at some point, you know, you've just got to be selective on 
you know, who you meet with, you still got to try to take as many as you can, but you know, you got to protect your, your schedule. Definitely. So talk about, um, what excites you most about the Lexington community or the, the Nashville community now that you're in it, what do you see that really gets you excited? So the phrase uh, that's been tossed around a lot recently is that Nashville is the switchboard city. So it's this concept that we are super close to all other cities and we are attracting a lot of folks who are very maybe nomadic in their careers uh, and require traveling a lot and just pick Nashville because it's an awesome place to live and they just like work remotely and travel frequently. So like Nashville makes sense. Uh, so I'm always excited by those new folks coming here because they're a special breed. Like it's oftentimes when people who've already found traction and success in their career. Uh, what else that really excites me is, I guess, you know, there's big corporate tech jobs coming here like Oracle and Amazon. And I, I really do think in the long run, a lot of those employees will create like a next generation of founders you know, once they spin out of those big corporate companies. Uh, so probably those two things right now. And then <coughs> I just think there's more effort and more work being done to unify the ecosystem. And that's what, that's really what I've been working on recently. And I'm hopeful about kind of having a more uh, cohesive approach to helping founders. Love that. And let's, uh, let's move on to what you're doing currently. So you've Recently started with a, a new organization, the Jumpstart Foundry. You're their managing director. Yeah. Uh, give us the overview of, of what Jumpstart Foundry is to start. Totally. Well, Jumpstart Foundry, I'll back up a little bit, is part of Jumpstart, which is a family of funds investing in healthcare. So there's Jumpstart Capital investing in workforce solutions in healthcare. So think like nursing, staffing shortage being this huge, huge issue for the industry. There's Jumpstart Nova investing in black founders in healthcare. And then there's Jumpstart Foundry, which is the pre-seed venture fund in the family. And so my job is to raise $6 million uh, from uh, different limited partners, from the people, and then to turn around. And it's an annual fund as well. So it's a super unique fund structure and invest that into 40 of really the brightest, most innovative companies we can find. And uh, we do a standard check size of 150K and all of our companies go through our uh, one-year program, Jumpstart Insight. That's really like, uh, maybe you could say like, maybe like a, a healthcare focus, like Y Combinator type model. Talk about uh, healthcare specifically down in Nashville. So that's like a, that's a big market for healthcare tech. Yeah. Talk about, so, you know, why that is and some of the companies that have come out of that. Listen, I am not the healthcare expert and I'm the first to tell you that because I'm two months into it. I can actually show you. I guess listeners wouldn't see, but here's my like healthcare textbook. <laughs> I'm halfway through called Understanding Health Policy, a Clinical Approach. Uh, really gripping stuff. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, Nashville is huge for health services and healthcare investing. There's like probably at least two dozen healthcare venture funds. And then when you look at private equity and investment banking and healthcare, there's a ton of that located here in Nashville. And then we're obviously the headquarters for HCA, which is the largest like health system company in the United States. So there's sort of a lot of early stage startups dream long-term customer to get into all of their hospitals across the country. 
Uh, but it's the biggest industry in Nashville. And uh, I don't know if it's the biggest industry in the U.S., but I mean, it's 20% of our GDP. It's a $4 trillion industry. And it's like the biggest employer and producer of um, like Nashville money. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, let's dive in a little bit more into your actual role of, of raising this fund. So, you know, it, I'm assuming that's a, a completely new uh, role for you in terms of going out and trying to actually raise capital. What's that been like for you so far? Is it is it what you expect it to be? Is it harder uh, than what you expect it to be? I know you're a networker by nature, so yeah, uh, it does seem fitting. It's been awesome because. I don't know. I can so like I've always worked with founders and now I'm with all my founder friends who are raising money and it's different raising for a fund, but it's people raising money is really like a sales job. Like you just have it, but it's a unique type of sales job, of course, because you're raised like you're not selling to a company. Typically you're selling to individuals and you have to kind of pinpoint like who that right person is and just like book as many meetings as possible and like track, like how many meetings do you need to like close a deal? What do you need to kind of move someone down the pipeline? Um, so it's been awesome kind of sinking my teeth into what that fundraising process is and sort of building it for myself. Uh, and then for a fund, it's exciting to raise for jumpstart because jumpstart foundry, because we are a publicly marketed fund. And as far as I know, we're the first publicly marketed fund in Nashville. So that means that I can, most funds could not come on a podcast and tell you that they are raising money. That would actually uh, violate SEC laws. Our fund is allowed to come on and tell you we're raising money because uh, we're just, it's called a 506C. Uh, and so I can sort of post on LinkedIn or talk about it on podcasts or host events to share about like, hey, here's the investment opportunity of what it looks like to invest in Jumpstart Foundry. And it's a very different way to raise money because it's like content driven uh, mm-hmm. and it's like reaching people like on their phones uh, more than just going one by one meetings. Does that make sense? Sort of. Yeah. And what what is the kind of uh, profile of those that are investing or that you're going after? Um, yeah, have you noticed so trends? Jumpstart Foundry, mostly we have a couple of institutional investors, but we mostly raise capital from high net worth individuals to really just being accredited investors. So and if legally, you have to be an accredited investor to invest in Jumpstart Foundry. And that's a very intimidating term. People don't always know what it is, but all it means is either you've made 200K salary the past two years or 300K if it's a dual income or you have a million dollars net worth. So one of those three things just qualifies you as an accredited. There's nothing else you have to do. We we work with you to prove you're accredited. It's like a 15-minute online process. Like It's like setting up a Venmo account at this point. Um, so... We raise from a lot of folks who are interested in healthcare and like know that the system is broken, recognize that there's an opportunity, and also feel like you know they they need to invest in innovation from like a financial perspective and almost like a social impact investor. But with this publicly marketed fund being new, uh, just for Fund Nine, the 2023 fund, we are reaching new people through content 
and also reaching maybe like newly accredited investors as well as sophisticated investors. So let me explain a little bit more. Like Jumpstart Foundry is interesting to sophisticated investors because it's like a ton of diversification. Like we're going to take your money and put it across 40 different companies and then we syndicate deals coming out of that portfolio. So that just means when a company in our portfolio raises again, all of our investors have an opportunity to invest in one-off deals. So they're in the fund, but then they can put it into company A or company B or company C. But we're also a good product for, I don't want to say unsophisticated, but like less sophisticated investors. So maybe someone who's first accredited because it's just an annual commitment. Most funds would be like a four-year commitment. Ours is a one-time. So you put money in once as opposed to putting in money over four years and like staying liquid for whenever it's time to put money in again, which is called a capital call. Uh, and we have a uniquely low minimum. So our minimum is $25,000. Uh, and that is a much more approachable number to a wider audience than a typical venture fund minimum. So you mentioned there that a lot of these investors are understanding that there's big pain points and things broken in the healthcare space. So when you talk to investors, what are some of those things that you hit on that you think need to improve or are low-hanging fruit within the healthcare space that you see a lot of potential in? Totally. So, I mean, I'll first talk about it from like the family of funds perspective with Jumpstart Capital investing in like workforce solutions and healthcare. Right now, health systems are really struggling because there's just huge nursing staffing shortages. And so they're having to pay a ton of money for travel nurses and it is not sustainable. It is something that is truly not affordable. So that's a big opportunity that like Jumpstart Foundry is looking at is like, what is going to either like make these nurses happier or make their jobs easier because they are burnt out. They are frustrated. People are leaving that career path at a, like crazy right now. Or what like can uh, what can make just their role maybe a little bit more efficient? So maybe you don't need to rely on having so many nurses on staff because you have tech filling in the gaps. Or maybe you're you know maybe they have a lot of administrative work that can be replaced. I also think the big innovate like. This sounds so silly. This is coming from a non-healthcare expert, but as a young person, every company I talk to, I almost like think in my head, like, you know how med spas are a really positive experience? I don't know if you two guys have ever been to a med spa. Okay. Anyone who's ever been to a med spa, it's a pretty, it's, it's a doctor's office. Like it's a medical appointment procedure, whatever. And it's awesome. You know, you like, book online and they get all your information there and you go into this nice waiting room and things are on time and you go into really a doctor's office and you sit on like, you know, the tables in like the doctor's office, you, you sit on something like that and a nurse comes to see you and does whatever that you need to get done. And it's like an incredibly seamless, positive customer focused experience. So the other big concept is essentially when I say be more like med spas is like a patient focused experience for healthcare. The patients have oftentimes been almost like overlooked, uh, which sounds silly, but things that make uh, the patient improve the patient experience, I guess I would say. 
Yeah, I think the the whole healthcare space is one that's so ripe for innovation and new ideas to come in and, and improve the space altogether. We've actually talked to a couple of different companies here recently, mostly in the pharmaceutical space, uh, but that's just like one component of healthcare mm. that um, that we've heard so much just about it being antiquated and opaque. And uh, I just I think it's a really fascinating industry to to dive into right now, mostly just because of what you're saying. Yeah, um, not the U.S. is the number one spender. But we do not have the number one health results. Our health results for like a developed country, kind of bad. So it makes no sense that we spend all this money on it, but it's not working. I think the one one of the things that I hear all the time is how consumers are so uh, blind to the actual cost because insurance just pays for it. And there's not a way for consumers to negotiate or even have transparency into pricing before they have some kind of procedure done or they have some kind of visit. Um, I think that's a big problem, right? Are you, is that one yes. of the big complaints, right? Is just transparency of costs and the fact that consumers are so disintermediated from that? I mean, that's my personal complaint. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you a dirty little secret of mine is that like, I had uh, a mouth guard made by a dentist. I, I went to see a new dentist because I had new insurance and they kept telling me like it was covered and I talked to my insurance and I thought it was covered. And then when they ran the insurance, all of a sudden I owed $400 and I was so pissed. I was like, I literally would not have gotten this if you had told me. And then I never paid and they like sent me to collections <laughs> and I, I just like negotiated it down. Cause I was like, I am not paying that dentist office. Cause they told me it was covered. I asked a million times, like I was angry at them and it probably wasn't their fault, but like, that is a huge, like, almost like systemic issue, I guess, yeah, that for sure. I fight literally by be sent, being sent to collections. I probably shouldn't say that on the podcast, but <laughs> I paid it. I just, you know. <laughs> airing grievances on the Middle Tech Podcast. I love it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, uh, let's let's take the conversation kind of back to the Nashville ecosystem. So something we always like doing, especially as we go into ecosystems where Evan and I might not have as much experience, is trying to to gain maybe critiques of what your ecosystem is doing well, what it could be doing better that we could take and, you know, distribute out through, through our podcast to help whether it's Louisville or Lexington or, uh, you know, Indianapolis, Cincinnati, any of the ecosystems we, we try to do interviews in uh, to take and apply to their ecosystems. So maybe let's start with, with critiques of the national ecosystem. Mm. When I, when I say what could be going better, what kind of comes to mind for you? I don't think there's like a super cohesive strategy like, there's a lot of people doing the same stuff, not always working together. That's one. Two, I think the angel investors are very hidden and, like, unapparent, unless you're part of maybe, like, this old Nashville club. And then three, there's a ton of resources for, like, early, early stage founders, like, people maybe with, like, an idea. But there's not really for as much resources I feel like for someone who's like actually building mm. like they've you know they have product market fit and then I do think there's a good amount of technical talent here and it's always growing but there's a shortage of like startup CTOs like I wish mm. we had more if I had a dollar for every time someone told me they needed to find a startup CTO I could take myself to a very <laughs> nice steak dinner at Kane Prime yeah. we hear that a lot here yeah. <clears throat> both yeah. the angel 
community being hard to access right. and the CTO thing, which I've been through mm-hmm. both of those personally. And, um, you know, it's frustrating as a founder, but it's just the nature of, I think, the early stage nature of even the ecosystems. Uh, we're just generations behind the coast where we look to for inspiration or we look to as examples. Um, you know, we wish things were further along, but things like the Angel Network, you know, that only comes with a large amount of exits and those exits being within the same kind of demographic. Whereas, you know, a lot of the people with money in the Midwest, especially in Kentucky, and you mentioned it there, Tennessee, it's it's older money. And the younger generation really hasn't had a whole lot of exits yet. Whereas if you go to the coast, like San Francisco or New York, you know, there's people in their early 30s having exits. And so they can resonate better with those founders that are in their 20s. Um, so there's just this disconnect and it, it happens in generations. And that's what I've noticed. And it, it affects both, you know, the CTOs and the angel network, but especially the angel network. Mm-hmm. I think the CTO thing is just the nature of uh, startups and technology just aren't part of our cultures. People don't want to be a, an engineer in high school. They don't think that's something they could do is code, at least especially people here in, in Kentucky. Now there's organizations trying to change that, but it's just not part of our culture as a, as a region. Whereas, again, referencing back to the coasts, people grow up with parents that are working at software companies that are developers, and it takes generations. And the more I go to the coast and spend time in San Francisco, the more I realize, like, we're so far behind. We, it's rightful for us to complain and say, hey, this isn't as far along as we would like, but, you know, there's clear reasons why. And we just got to keep raising awareness about them, and, you know, hopefully it changes. Mm-hmm. But it's generational. Yeah. I'm a big believer of like, we never, we don't want to be like San Francisco or Silicon Valley. We don't want to be Austin or Miami. Like, it's just about making Nashville better because it's really like startup, good, a solid startup, startup ecosystem is a tool of like economic development that I think every city in the country should be investing in and paying attention to. Yeah. yeah. And it's a mindset thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Back to the education system. The education system does the opposite. I think in middle America related to startups. I will say when, whenever we had uh, Brian Moyer on of the Nashville Technology Council, he, he was talking about a program of going down into elementary schools and trying to create programming around around technology and around, I don't even know, I don't know if it's specifically startups, but at least I know for sure just around technology. I think that's what it takes is going all the way down to the youngest generations and, and uh, inspiring kids to think in that way and, and realize that there are careers in that path. Um, so I think it, like you guys have said, it's, it's a generational thing that just takes a while to work on. Um, but as we kind of wrap up the conversation here, one of the things we, we always like, uh, ending on is, you know, any ways that whether it's somebody in Nashville or somebody up in our ecosystem, I know you mentioned spending more time in Louisville when we talked, how can they get involved, whether it be with Jumpstart Foundry, uh, or whether it be with the Nashville, uh, startup ecosystem. I know that, um, you've, you've been a player in that for a long time. Uh, so just give our listeners a way to uh, get involved or uh, reach out or any of those types of things. Anyone can email me at zap at nashtech.io, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Just look up Haley Zap. I should come up. And then, yeah, definitely I host events regularly. I send emails to point people to other cool events to go to. So uh, just shoot me a note. And I have like an ecosystem guide. It's literally just eight pages that I typed up that I send to a bunch of people too, but I've heard it's helpful. So yeah, 
That's awesome. You're a gym in the Nashville Ecosystems app. That's uh, that's awesome stuff to take upon yourself to help people get connected. So a big thank you from Evan and I for helping us get connected down there. And thank you for taking the time to come on our podcast and talk a little bit about with, uh, with what you're doing down in Nashville. So it's been awesome. And uh, we look forward to staying in touch. Thanks so much, guys.